On this episode of Serverless Chats, I speak with Ant Stanley about serverless days going global. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 27. Hi everyone, I'm Jeremy Daly and you're listening to Serverless Chats. This week I'm chatting with Ant Stanley. Hi Ant, thanks for joining me. Hey Jeremy, it's a pleasure to be here. So you're the co-founder of Serverless Days Global. Um, so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what Serverless Days is all about? Uh, yeah, so I, I helped co-found Serverless Days in 2017. Um, I've been an early member of the serverless community. I originally was one of the co-founders of a Cloud Guru and helped get serverless conf off, off the ground. Um, after leaving Cloud Guru, it, it took a year off, um, worked on a few side projects, but then, uh, yeah, kind of joined up with a few folks here in London and we decided to get a community-based uh, serverless conference going. It was supposed to be one conference called JeffConf, and then it kind of it took off and became a thing of its own uh, due to the amazing community. Um, and yeah, uh, that's pretty much, uh, well, not quite how we got got there, but it's it's the 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 start of how we got got to where we are. All right. Well, so I actually want to talk to you about Serverless Days. So I uh, helped uh, co-organize Serverless Days Boston, uh, crazy event. I went to one in New York, uh, and uh, and I've seen you know basically these ones all over the place now. I went to one in Milan. So um, this is becoming a pretty big thing. So. Uh, there's all kinds of ways people can get involved. There's uh, some really, really great speakers at these events, but I just kind of want to talk about really how this got started. Let's go way back to the beginning, understand what the motivation was behind it, um, and then let's talk about some of the events that are happening around the world and then maybe how people can get involved. So why don't we start with that? Let's kind of just, what's the history of this whole thing? Uh, yeah, so the history, it goes back to kind of May twenty, April, May 2017. Uh there was due to be a serverless conference in, in Amsterdam uh, run by the then organizers of the serverless user group in Amsterdam. And uh, it kind of fell apart. I think end of end of April, beginning of May, uh, it got canceled. Uh, I don't think they could raise enough sponsorship funds. I think they're trying to go too big. And at the time, that was going to be the only serverless conference in Europe um, that year. So at the time, I ran, the, or I still do, ran the serverless user group in London, which is the largest serverless user group in the world at this point in time. And um, I had a conversation with Paul Johnson, uh, who used to work for AWS, and he's a really early, uh, one of the early serverless bloggers and contributors, uh, and James Thomas, who's a developer advocate for IBM on their OpenWhisk um, functions platform, and who's also London-based. And the three of us kind of had a conversation via a Slack channel, uh, and saying, well, you know, there isn't anything happening in Europe this year, why don't we try and organize something? And uh, what became an idea uh, started to become reality when Paul popped up and he said, well, I might have a venue that's really cheap. Um, so I said, well, I've got a user group with a whole bunch of users um, and we don't have anything planned in the summer because that's normally an awful time to run, run a user group meetup. Um, so I said, well, let's, let's try and run a meetup, um, or run an event. We decided to call it JeffConf from a based on a very bad joke uh, because of the name serverless. The, the, the end joke at the time was uh, we could have called serverless anything. You might as well have called it Jeff. Um, so as a joke, we decided to call this thing JeffConf. We organized it in six weeks from the point of saying, yes, let's do this, to actually running the event was a six-week six week window. Um, 
we didn't run a CFP. Uh, we ran it on absolute shoestring. We spoke to whoever we could. Uh, um, and companies um, jumped into sponsor. So the first tweet we put up about it, Chris Munns from AWS yeah, jumped all over it and said, hey, can we sponsor? IBM got involved. Um, a few other companies, local local uh, London agencies also got involved. Um, yeah, and we managed to get off, get off the ground. We had some great speakers. We had Simon Wardley, um, uh, who I've been trying to get to my user group for ages. I managed to convince him to come to London for the day, and he gave our opening keynote. Uh, and we, yeah, we basically managed to cobble together a great amount of like local, predominantly uh, London, UK-based speakers um, to, to come speak. Um, yeah, and it was it, it kind of worked. We had about 170 people um, attend, um, which wasn't bad for, for such a short period of time. Uh, we somehow made a, a tiny profit on it, uh, because we managed to get a venue, which was the St. John's Church in Hoxton, a 196-year-old church, um, mm-hmm. where Paul was friends with uh, the pastor who runs it. Um, yeah, so we ran, ran it at a 196-year-old church in the middle of Hoxton, Shoreditch area, which is the heart of London's tech scene. Um, had some great speakers and basically had a beautiful day and it was a great day out. Um, and that was, that was the first JeffConf. Um, and we didn't really think it would go further than that. At that point in time, um, but it is it is sort of fitting that the first serverless days was in a church because serverless is kind of a religion if you think about <laughs> it to some people. Oh yeah, yeah, it definitely is is a a, a, a religion to a lot of people. But uh, yeah, it is kind of fitting, um, and we've made jokes about sort of serverless dogma and religion, um, but it, <laughs> it is fitting. Um, yeah, I think ironically, so part of the reason it, it did take off is when we announced it, we had two Italians got on a plane and helped us over, helped us out. Um, Alex Castelboni and uh, uh, Simeone. Um, so they came over and helped us out. And then Alex at the end of it said, hey, I want to run this in, in Milan. So it's like, well, you know, we didn't have any plans beyond running one. So yeah, you can go ahead. If you want to run in Milan, go for it. Um, so two and a half months later, uh, it was end of August, um, so the first service days was in yeah in first week of July, uh, first at JeffConf, and then it was in September of 2017. Alex Alex ran ran JeffConf Milan, uh, copied my my awful awful web stuff that I designed. Um, There's a point where I thought rolling my own single page app framework was a good idea. Um, <laughs> It's been used for some total of three websites, um, which is more than it ever needed to be. But yeah, so um, yeah, so he he put that together. Um, I think he had about 150 or so attendees. The first one, uh, he had a whole month extra to organize it, um, and that was a great event. And then uh, Sunker Rumpler from Hamburg was one of the speakers at that that serverless days at that JeffConf, um, and he kind of approached us and says, "Hey, he wants to run this in Hamburg." So at that point, I was going, well, if you want to do it and you want to put the effort in, we'll help you. So, um, so Zunker decided uh, with some of his, his colleagues um, at the company he just co-founded to, to run uh, a JeffConf in Hamburg. Uh, and that turned out to be the last JeffConf because in the process of organizing this, we all kind of stopped. Uh, myself, Paul, James, Alex, Zunker, we all said, you know... Um, Maybe there's something in this, you know, just organically without trying. Sure. We've managed to get three of these events in a six-month period. 
and that's where we, we decided to rebrand. Um, and we spent spent a lot of time trying to think about what the name should be, and and how we should rebrand and that. So, um, but yeah, we announced Serverless Days as the last talk of Jeff Kompenberg. So Jeff Kompenberg was the end of Jeff Comp and the start of start of Serverless Days as we know it. So what is so so why Serverless Days? What was the reasoning behind that? <laughs> we thought about 101 names, um, yeah, because we knew the Jeff Conf name wouldn't expand. It was an in-joke and it was too open to misinterpretation. Yeah. And one of the, the core tenets of every single serverless days is it needs to be representative of the community. And um, Jeff Conf is very representative of people named Jeff. <laughs> um, so so we, needed to, we, we needed a name that didn't exclude uh, you know, a large proportion of the population. Um, so hence we decided to rename it. Um, ironically, the actual name, uh, kind of debating a lot, um, came or didn't come to me. It was uh, um, it came up when I was having lunch with James Governor, the uh, um, monk chips on Twitter, um, and uh, he's a friend of mine. I have lunch with him a couple times a month, and I was kind of debating, you know, what should we call this thing? And James was like. You know, stop mucking about. Just call it what it is, and call it serverless days. Um, so we decided to like stop trying to be too clever. Stop trying to come up with a funny, clever name that you know some people might get. You know, call it what it is, and that's exactly what it is. It's it's serverless days. It's a a, a day to learn about serverless technology um, and to engage ex- and expand your knowledge on it. So yeah, that's kind of where the name came from. Um, it was. Basically, James telling us to stop being clever and <laughs> just call it what it is. Well, basically. yeah, I mean, JS Conf and DevOps Days. I mean, they're very, very descriptive of what they are all about. So, uh, so yeah, I think that works well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, all right, so then, so now you you get three of these in the books. You change the name to Serverless Days, um, and then it you know it, it started taking off even more than that. Yeah, yeah, massively. Uh, so our our MVP for Serverless Days, so to speak, is is another badly cobbled together website, which which is still uh, has not changed since I put it together. ServicesDays.io. Um, I think I actually pushed it live about two minutes before I went on stage at JeffConf <laughs> Hamburg and announced it. Um, and so the MVP was a website, um, and on the website was a LinkedIn email address, and say so basically email us if you want to run a service days, um, and that was pretty much it. You know, we ha- we have a Slack channel where we have a bunch of people who can support and help. And we've got a bunch of documentation from all the various serverless days that we share with new serverless days organizers. So, you know, um, sponsor sponsor templates, uh, sponsor contract templates, uh, artwork. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we basically did a website, got a whole bunch of characters designed um, to try and give it a bit more of a different feel to it and um, put an email address up. Um, and that was enough to get it going. And kind of take it international, take it beyond something that that got um, set up by by people who'd been to a previous one. You know, that's how we got it outside of Europe, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, there's been uh, what Portland, there's been Austin, there's been um, Atlanta, Boston, New York. Uh, there's one coming up in in Nashville, so, and and then yeah. across the world, there's two in. Uh, two in Japan this year, I think. Yeah, there was Tokyo was twenty uh, second of October, and Fukuoka is is coming up is on the fourteenth. 
Uh, yeah, it's Saturday. I think you're yeah. right. I think it's uh, yeah, 14th. Yeah. So this year, there's going to be 19 serverless days. So we've gone from two in 2017 to 19 in 2019. Uh, and conservatively, I think we'll go over 30 serverless days um, in 2020. Um, don't hold me to that, but yeah, I, I think we will go to, to 30. The amount of inquiries we get, um, yeah, I think we should, we should get, get to 30. Well, I think there's 10 in the first quarter or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 10 in the first quarter. Um, and I know how many, well, I have about a, approximately a six, seven month view of what else is being organized. Um, typically, the runway to organize the service days when people starting to organize, they're actually running there now, is about four months. We don't recommend doing six weeks. Yeah, <laughs> um, we said minimum four months, ideally six months. We've had teams that have been working on this for over a year. Um, so yeah, we, we do expect uh, a bit of a ramp up. Um, then you've got you know the the teams in Japan who've just absolutely hit the ground running. Like they started to speak to us in July. They ran their first one twenty second of October. They had four hundred and fifty people at it. It was nuts. That's um, crazy. Yeah. So. So yeah, I think thirty could be achievable this year, which is which is good growth. So, couple things. Let's talk about just the um, uh, sort of the the main goal of serverless days, right? So obviously, it's to get people to learn about serverless technologies. It's not uh, necessarily any one specific uh, cloud provider, right? We always have a lot of diversity at these events um, from uh, from different providers, as well as really trying to uh, have a diversity of speakers and uh, a diverse yeah. audience as well. Yeah, so yeah, that's the core aim of serverless days is to grow the serverless community, is to create a community, grow it and nurture it. Um, it's not an opportunity for vendors to pitch. Um, we actually almost have to coach some of the vendors in terms of, you know, what talks they, talks they submit to CFP. It's not pay, pay for play. And you know, if you sponsor, you're not guaranteed to talk. You still have to go through the CFP. Um, I did have a conversation once with a, uh, a senior individual at a certain cloud vendor to explain why, why none of their talks got accepted. Um, and it wasn't their fault, but or, or it wasn't. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the, the main aim is, is it, it's about growing the community. Um, and it's not just about growing the community for one sector of the population. You know, we want these, the key, as I said before, the, one of the core aims is it needs to be representative of, of the community it exists in beyond tech. So, you know, basically being blunt, having a room of white guys with a bunch of white guys talking to them doesn't, is, does not further the aims of serverless days, and it's definitely not what we want. Um, and I, th I think we, we're getting there in achieving our aims, but we can always do more. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know that um, uh, y y your team has done some work as well, reaching out to other people um, to try to get things like diversity and inclusion and, and, and kind of really pushing those. Yeah. Yeah, I think success varies uh, from region to region. Um, we do try and push it onto the organizers, and some of the organizers absolutely uh, take it and run with it. Um, London, we're, 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 <clears throat> we're very lucky in that diversity and inclusion is slowly becoming embedded in the tech community here. Yeah. And there are multiple groups that we can work with uh, that have been very supportive. So we've almost, almost got it easy compared to other regions uh, where the diversity and inclusion efforts are not as mature. Um, but yeah, we it's 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 always about improvement. You know, you're never going to be perfect. You're never going to we're never going to achieve all of our goals as long as we get better year on year. And then, you know, maybe one day we will get there. But just 
that constant improvement is what we're aiming for. Right. All right. So speaking about the future of of sort of where this thing is going, um, you've recently asked me and I have um, agreed because for some reason I can't say no to these things um, to help with uh, sort of having a U.S. based entity um, along with Farrah Campbell um, to help out uh, to help organize serverless days in the U.S. Uh, and to sort of make it easier for people to start organizing. Because I know for for me and for the, the team that I worked with when we did Boston, um, it wasn't easy getting started. We had to form a legal entity. We actually had one one of our uh, one of our board members or one of the organizing members um, was also going to be one of the sponsors. So they fronted us some money so that we could pay for an attorney and do some of that stuff. We were very lucky in the, uh, I think, same as, as you, uh, with the event space that we found. We were able to do it at the Microsoft Nerd Center. Um, and because it was a community event, um, they donated that space uh, for free to us, which was uh, very, very helpful. Um, but there were other costs. You know, there's, we recorded all the videos. So there, we had to pay for a videographer. Um, the, the catering was, the bill for the catering was <laughs> the biggest bill we had. Had, I think um, you know we had yeah. banners printed. We had you know we had the um, uh, the happy hour afterwards and, and things like that. And so that just that there's a lot of costs that are involved there. Um, yeah. And I think it can be very daunting, especially for people who are busy professionals trying to do this on the side um, and and help out. That they really can run into a lot of roadblocks. So what are the plans here? Um, you know, to make it easier for new organizers to come in and run these events successfully? Yeah, I think, I think we definitely do need to make it easier. I think early on, um, you know, we didn't really have a framework. We had a bunch of templates from previous events that we could share, and a bunch of documentation we could share. And when we do these onboarding calls, so like the typical process was myself or Alex Castleboni, who runs Serverless Days Milan, uh, would get an email, one of us would pick it up, one of us would jump on a call with the potential organizer. And one of the first things we'd always highlight immediately is like, you need to get a budget, so we give them a budget template, fill out that budget template. You need to figure out how much this thing's gonna cost you at a high level. You need to go put money up to book a venue and you need to have a legal entity that you can do all the legal contracts and all the financial transactions through. And those three things kind of, they created a barrier to adoption. Um, I'd say 40%, only about 40% of, of people who contact us end up running serverless days. So 60% of people don't really even get past that barrier. Um, and in, in some respects, it's good because you test someone's commitment to actually doing it if they're right. willing to go through all of that. But the other hand, it should be, you know, we do lose events because of that because not everyone is in a position that there is a company can you know help help with the cash flow up front you know um not everyone is is in that position to make these things happen so um yeah a, a big element what we're going to be doing in 2020 is uh creating a us entity which enables us to essentially um get a lot of the sponsor sponsor money particularly the major sponsors are all us based Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Cloudflare, yeah. IBM, all US-based, and enables us to to give them one one company that they can pay um, for sponsorship for the year, and they can give us bulk sponsorship, and we can just handle that upfront. And then what they'll enable us to do is that thing gives us bootstrap funds for new serverless days. So if you want to organize the serverless days, um, we can help front some of that money for you because we've already got sponsors on board. Um, you know. 
and we can basically help give you an easier life and take that stress away. Because honestly, the financial stress of running these things is, is probably the biggest element of it. Yes. Um, and it's always interesting seeing the emotional journey organizers go through um, <laughs> as they see themselves signing up to very large costs without, with, with the promise of money, without the money in the bank account. Yep. Um, so hopefully we can ease that emotional journey a little bit and kind of, um, yeah, help them focus on on the the main elements. Um, we had a serverless days that ran last year where they spent so much time focusing on um, sponsorship and focusing on getting paid. They didn't spend enough time on promoting the events, and they had a mad rush in the last two weeks to try and get it full. And they they sold a hundred tickets in the last week, and they kind of didn't achieve what they wanted to, but they got to a point that it was was a successful event, and it's like what we need to do is is let the organizing team focus on promoting the event, let them focus on curating and running the CFP and, you know, creating an event that's unique to that area that builds a community and take away some of that stress, that financial stress, really. Yeah. I think, I think, so that's a big part of that. Yeah, no, I love that because I, I think for, for the, the Boston team, uh, I mean, just the procurement process, the, you know, we had to fill out all these forms on people's websites and do all this kind of stuff. And then, yeah. and then you, you don't get paid right away. I mean, big companies, no. you know, pay when they pay and, um, and I, and we love the sponsorships and, the, and, and, and these companies, the ones you mentioned have been, uh, excellent sponsors. Um, but certainly I think putting something into place that makes that, a easy for uh, someone like AWS or Google to uh, sort of put that into their marketing budget at the beginning of the year, which yeah. is, I mean, we found with a couple of the uh, couple of sponsors we reached out to, you know, we said, oh, our event is in April or, or March last year, and they had said, oh, well, we already did, we already did our budget planning for next year, so you know, it's not there. And some of these events can kind of pop up and can run fairly quickly. I mean, four months, like you said, at a minimum. Um, you know, if somebody does that, then you might be out of cycle for for some of these sponsors. So yeah. um, being able to get uh, you know some of the bigger sponsors and know that you know sort of those those main things are, are covered, I think is. Um, uh, I think is really, really great. So, so besides financial support for uh, organizers, um, you mentioned some documents and things like that. So, what what else? What else is the is the global organization uh, doing to help organizers? Yeah, I think it's uh, so. One big thing we want to do is looking at creating an organizer's guide, so a one on one guide on how to run a serverless days. Um, up till this this stage, we've been sharing tips and that in Slack, and someone jumps in Slack, asks ask a question, there'll be someone who can answer it. Uh, we also point people to the organizing guides for JSConf and DevOps days and B-sides and those, but those are, conferences all have different ethoses and different things that make them unique. So what we wanna do is actually create an organizing guide that's specific to, to service days. I do remember, um, Last year, basically, we, we created a, a URL, guide.serverlessdays.io. It's, it's got no documentation on it, but it's there. There's an outline. Um, so we need to populate that. And I do remember putting that URL on the Service Days Organizers channel last year. And uh, and you, you popped out, I think it was just after the Boston one, you popped up when you saw, you saw the name. It's like, hey, that would have been useful. Um, so apparently, it would be useful. <laughs> Um, it would be it would be nice to just have a have the checklist. Yeah. I mean that was that was one of the biggest things for us was um, you know we had a, a bunch of people on our committee. We had some really great people, um, and uh, and they had run some conferences before, 
uh, or have been part of these organizing things before. Uh, I know Matt Williams had done uh, quite a bit with DevOps Days and uh, Eric Peterson, um, uh, Christina Wong, uh, a couple others. And uh, and if you had this master list, like, okay, you got to call the event, you know, call the venue, get the contract, sign the, you know, I mean, it maybe doesn't have to be that detailed, but certainly all the incidentals like, oh, do you want to organize open spaces? Well, then you could talk to the, you know, talk to some uh, speakers and try to get that worked out. You know, what do you need for, what do you need for food? At least, you know, you know, that kind of stuff and videography that just things that you might not think of, like the little incidental things, you know, t-shirts, you're printing t-shirts, are you doing conference badges? Are you doing whatever it is? And just having some of those best practices in place um, and and some uh, checklists I think would be really helpful. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one of our aims. You know, let's be a little bit more prescriptive. Uh, let's help these teams. I think the reality, like a lot of serverless days success comes from building on the shoulders of of previous communities. So like DevOps days, where there's a healthy overlap of DevOps days organizers and serv- serverless days organizers. Um, I was at DevOps days Ghent, the ten year anniversary in October, and I saw organizers from six other serverless days there. Um, and you know, so we we want to learn from them. Um, Bridget Cromhart, who runs DevOps Days, came up and did a talk about how DevOps Days grew. And the first five years of DevOps Days, they'd only grown to fifteen events. And what happened during year five is they decided to create documentation on mm-hmm. how to run DevOps Days, and there was exponential growth after that. Um, so. I think we're lucky our growth has been quite rapid. Uh, I think a lot of that is because we've had people who've organized other events um, in the community already um, and people with experience. But yeah, we can't rely on organizers being able to pop into Slack and have someone answer their question you know, to help us grow. Uh, we really need to have to standardize this and be a little bit more prescriptive and have a, you know, a clear guideline on how to run these things just so... Just so, you know, if you're a little bit you know, unsure, you know, what do we do about food? What, how do we handle sponsorship? How do we handle, uh, you know, covering uh, travel and accommodation for speakers? You know, what are the policies on that? Have that all covered, basically. Yeah, um, right. Just to make it easier. As I said earlier, it's just yep. about the greatest value our organizers bring is organizers are all practitioners, all members of the community. We don't have marketing teams running these things. Um it's it's developers, engineers running these events. Um, so let's then focus on on you know putting together a great event with great content, and focus on getting the right speakers in the room, and let them focus on building community, um, and have make all that other stuff that's that has to be done to have a great event, but make that as easy as possible. Yeah, because I mean, even like even the the finances, uh, just understanding like the the financing stuff. So we had uh, Christina Wong, um, who was on our team, and she she did the she was the treasurer for us, uh, and it, it, that in and of itself is just a huge um, that's a huge undertaking, um, you know. But like, and then just like space coordination, like I said, we were very lucky with Microsoft um, Nerd Center, um, and Simona Coton from uh, Microsoft actually got involved with our group. Even she's out um, on your side of the upon there. Um, but she was able to reach out and, and help with our team and, and get us the space. And um, so we just had a we had a lot of community support, basically, in yeah. order for us to kind of make these things work. So I think that 
sort of codifying that and 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 making it uh, very accessible to people who want to do it, I think would be a, a hugely ad- advantageous to 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 new uh, to new uh, organizers and existing organizers. Like people who have run this in the past um, and are thinking, okay, we're going to do this again. Do I have to go through this whole process? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe get their feedback and, like you said, incorporate that into the the overall uh, uh, the documentation there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's exactly what we're looking to do, and. Um potentially do some sort of documentation sprint in the new year and get a bunch of the organizers together and basically do one big dump of of everything we've gone through and what we think should happen and shouldn't happen um and get that documentation up you know the 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 site is there it's just about putting content on the site um Yeah. yeah i think which would help you know help everyone uh the, the guideline thing, it's kind of being a victim of, of the success of serverless days because everyone who runs serverless days is part-time. It's for everyone, it's a side project. Yeah. So because it's a part-time side project, no one's actually had the time to actually write these things. So we actually have to you know, find a little bit extra time to save ourselves time later down, down the line to get it done. Um, all right. So coming up this year, there any? We know there's a bunch of, of serverless days that are happening. You got Belfast, you got Cardiff, um, uh, Boston is happening again. Um, we're just waiting on the final date for that. Um, there is uh, Nashville. There's um, a whole bunch of Hamburg is happening again, which must be what? There is this their fourth one now that they're running? Third one or fourth? Yeah, one? this will be their fourth. Their fourth one. Okay, and then Helsinki is running one. Um, so is there any other? Know, it'll be their third. It'll their be third, third one. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any um, any places in the U.S. simply now because you're asking me to help with this? Uh, are there any places in the U.S. where we're not seeing any of these pop up? Are there are there some places we want to target? Uh, the U.S. is is betraying because I don't know. So coming. Coming from outside of the U.S., you always we always think of the U.S. as one country, but the reality is it's it's a very large country and it's a very diverse right. country, <laughs> and you know not everything's evenly distributed. Um, yeah, so I think areas that are potentially underserved, like so, Service Day Chicago, we had an organizing team um, there, and then they've basically I think two of the two of the team members uh, moved out of Chicago so they've mm-hmm. obviously stepped away there's one person there who's still very keen to get it going uh, but needs needs a team to support them so yeah if you're interested in getting involved in serverless days Chicago just uh, ping us on organize at serverlessdays.io and we can introduce you um, uh, I think the in the Twin Cities in um, Minneapolis and Minnesota um, there's a great team there that's that approached us last year saying, hey, we want to run a, oh, I say last year, it was this year. <laughs> they approached us earlier this year <laughs> uh, saying, hey, we want to run a service days, but we don't know what the community's like. And it wasn't a service user group. So the recommendation there was um, was start a, start a service user group. And they've yep. done that and they've been running that for six months. Um, and they're now starting to plan their own service days that should hopefully happen in 2020. Um, so there's a couple of these. Uh, I think the key thing is, if you can get an organizing team together, you know, it doesn't matter how big the center you live in. You know, service days can be 100 people. It can be 400 people. Um, mm-hmm. But get a team, a minimum of three people together because um, it's way too much to take on unless there's three or more of you. Ideally, if you're a bigger center, you want more. But, um, you know, and just, you know, start it. It doesn't have to be big. You know, the first one in London was 170. And like I said, we've had smaller Um and you'd be amazed who will come and speak in your area. Um, actually, 
Yeah. Sometimes the smaller areas actually get better attendance because there isn't competition with other events, you know. Um, yeah, not the bigger events, sure. Yeah, so, yeah, there's other good ones. I think uh, Service States Phoenix is starting to plan get planned. Oh, um, yeah, there's a few others uh, in the U.S. And then uh, the other interesting one is we might uh, go into China this year uh, in 2020. Uh, there's potential for three serverless days events in China, um, which will be huge. Um, we've been speaking to organizers in South America, and a couple have come close, but uh, never run one yet. So mm-hmm. um, we want to see that. So we, you know, I'd love to see a serverless days in Brazil or Argentina uh, or Chile yep. or wherever. Colombia is another uh, country we had conversations with before. So we'd love to see. There was just a JS conf in yeah, Colombia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's there's um, development communities there um, that that would um, love to have a serverless day. So it's just about finding individuals who are willing to put the effort in. Um, and obviously, you see, India is another one where I'd like to see oh, a lot of growth. We've had a lot of conversations in, 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 in India. And, uh, you know, hopefully 2020 is when hopefully we'll see a few quite a few events there or 2021 but um yeah there's a there's a lot a lot of growth uh, to be had and yeah i think the key to serverless days is is you know start small and grow from there you know don't think you have to run a four or five hundred person event a hundred person is fine you know keep yeah. your budget low minimize any risk we'll have an organization behind you that can in 2020 financially back you up and support you um so yeah hopefully it grows significantly and I just want to go on the record saying that um, I am willing to help and attend a serverless days Hawaii. Um, if anybody uh, is, uh, if anybody's interested, uh, I, I'd be more than happy to lend a hand there. Um, all right, great. So, so while I have you here, I mean, part of the reason why you started serverless days was because you are a serverless fanatic, um, like uh, uh, many other rabid serverless fans um, in the in the serverless community. So I'd love to get your take. I, I know you were just out at reInvent. Uh, I saw you out there. Um, sort of what's your take on where serverless is right now? You know, what, what do you see? I don't want to ask you the where do you see serverless in five years thing, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but sort of just how do you feel about the adoption and, uh, and, and where it's going? Yeah, I think I think the adoption is is good. It's still strong. Um, I, one of the challenges it has is, for better or worse, AWS is the dominant player in the serverless world. So if you live in the AWS world, you see serverless everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're using Google Cloud or Azure or you know potentially your web developer, um, you know serverless isn't as prevalent. Uh, you know, Google Cloud since and Microsoft uh, Azure both seem to have a greater preference towards containers, though they are getting more and more serverless with their container offerings. You know, Cloud Run um, is a good example from Google Cloud. I think it's a, I think serverless is in a good place. I don't think it's it's got a great marketing <laughs> got great marketing behind it. Uh, it doesn't have an open source foundation, and the core value of serverless which probably will never have an open source foundation because it's all about the platform and the platform benefits yeah um so yeah it's it's kind of slow and steady people are adopting it because they see the value in it um the ecosystem's building out uh one of the great things i love about it is that there's a solid community um you know it was great being at reinvent because you got to see all the people i see every year at serverless days um but yeah. now we're all, all in one place um so yeah, I think it's great. I think uh, I actually like what the Microsoft teams are doing. Um, 
they've got a 25 days of serverless at the moment uh, where they're doing little serverless challenges every day leading up to Christmas. Um, that's great. So, but, you know, Microsoft have a small team who are very passionate about their platform. Um, they don't have the investment of Amazon. Uh, I know the the Google teams who work on their service platform is also very passionate about it. So I think there's a lot of passion, a lot of commitment to what serverless is and the value it can bring. Um, and I can only see that growing because one of the last things I do like about it is because it's, it doesn't have the marketing dollars of other open source foundations. Um, you know, maybe in 2019, $300,000, $400,000 is probably the total marketing spend on every single serverless days, total. Yeah. You know, that's that's about the marketing spend of two headline slots at one one KubeCon. Um, it, it's the, the marketing spend on, on other cloud native technologies is magnitudes of what serverless is, but serverless still grows slow and steady and keeps growing. And it keeps growing because it's got such a strong value proposition. It's so much easier than than other options, uh, you know, there's no clusters to manage, uh, you know, there's no, none of that configuration, you know, it's trade-offs, there's other things to manage, but it is significantly easier and you get great value really quickly. Um, and we're seeing more of that and that's, and that's great. And it's a lot of where that value I see is in the talks at serverless days. You know, mm -hmm. when you see Lego group get up and tell you about how they started with one function three years ago and where they are now or um, Liberty Mutual, um, you know, very large Boston-based um, insurer um, with a good presence in Belfast, you know, how they, they talk about um, their improved time to market, their reduced costs, their better um, availability, and all these positive metrics when they've gone, moves things to a serverless platform. Um, that's kind of, that's where I see where that growth is because it's not just one company that's got you know, one genius engineer who can make this thing work. It's multiple companies um, who are seeing that value and it's, it's just happening slowly and s slowly. And uh, yeah, I think it's slow and steady. It's going to carry on growing. Um, and it's definitely, it's, it's on its own cycle. I don't think it's, it's not a, it's not a marketing driven hype for me yeah. personally. Yeah. Well, and I, and one of the things I think we saw this year, um, which was, was very encouraging and I think is is great for for pushing adoption is <clears throat> we started to move away we started to move away from a lot of these sort of toy projects that you you've seen people build with them um, and actually into things now that are like production grade you know it, it, the yeah. Liberty Mutual is a you know that's that's a big one obviously what um, Capital One has been doing what um, Lego's doing I mean there's just there's so many so many uh, uh, companies now that are starting to do that and they're building really interesting you know they're developing interesting patterns around microservices with functions and 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 managed services and things like that so um, yeah so I'm 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 really encouraged I think 2020 is going to be the year where you've got a few of these vendors that are really smart know what they're trying to do in terms of of getting this out there and I, I think you've you you've gotten that incremental adoption um, but at some point I, I think the you know Someone's just going to step on the accelerator, and uh, you're going to you're going to see this explode. So I'm I'm excited for that. I don't know if 2020 is the year for that, but I I, I think we're we're getting closer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm not 100 percent sure if 2020 is the, is the year. You know, it's been this growth under covers. Um, right. You know, but yeah, I, I do think we are going to hit that. I think it'll hit hit when there are more and more of these companies who come out and start publicly talk about the value of it. Um, 
it's been a bit of a weird one because I, I know, you know, we know some of the very early serverless adopters who get such great value out of it and they see it as a differentiator to what mm-hmm. they do where they don't actually talk about the numbers. You know, they might go, go up on stage and talk about their, their technology, how they built this integration or how they monitor this, but they don't talk about the numbers and they don't talk about the business value because they don't want their competitors to find out. They don't want to un- understand <laughs> that this point. thing is, yeah. a, is a bit of their secret source, you know, yeah. and like, I know a few vendors who, um, a few companies who've said, yeah, we love it. It's amazing. We'll talk about the technology. We won't talk about the numbers uh, because we don't want people to find out. And um, I think that as we get more and more adopters, we'll get more and more companies, you know, getting in, uh, getting on stage, uh, you know, talking, doing case studies and talking about how, the amazing value they can get from this when they do it properly. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's going to come. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's, it's you know, I don't think we're far away, whether 2020 or 2021 or 2022, but it, it is going to come. Awesome. And I hope that uh, anybody who's listening, if you have not been to a serverless days, um, you should definitely go check one out because uh, like you said, the, there's a there's a great pool of speakers and sometimes you get those absolutely amazing talks that, that go into the detail of how some of these companies are actually using it as opposed to more theory, um, which is what my talks tend to be about, more about patterns and things like that. But yeah. uh, but hopefully you can use those to, to do, uh, uh, you know, to build to build your own stuff. So anyway, so listen, um, Thank you, Ant, for being here. This is this has been great. Um, uh, really excited about the future of Serverless Days. I think we've got some cool things there. So, uh, if people want to get in touch with you or find out more about Serverless Days, how do they do that? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Stan. Um, just a warning: most of my posts are about my dogs um, <laughs> <laughs> because they're way prettier than me. Um, and otherwise just drop an email to organize at serverlessdays.io and that would be the English spelling of organized <laughs> at serverlessdays.io maybe we should set up an alias for our Probably. American friends switch out the S and the Z right now yeah, yeah I'll set and, up an uh, alias for that and if you want to check out uh, all of the upcoming serverless days events serverlessdays.io it's all listed there yeah serverlessdays.io slash events there are currently Nine on the nine on the website right now. Um, with I think another three will go live in the next by the end of January. Um, yeah, so yeah, uh, go find a service days, go look at it, look at attending. They're typically dirt cheap, um, ranging from twenty pounds in Cardiff to I think Boston. You were fifty dollars. Fifty, yeah. Yeah, the the price is nuts. It's so cheap. Um, yeah, so we get good attendance and. So, you know, it's, it's a day off, it's one day, uh, go attend a conference, go spend a day learning and seeing how the companies are, are doing this. Awesome. All right. I will get all that in the show notes. Thanks again, Ant. Cool. Awesome. It's been great to chat. this week's serverless chat. I want to give a huge thank you to Ant Stanley for being my guest this week. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 27. For more serverless chats, be sure you subscribe and rate the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore daily. And if you're interested in serverless and want to discover all the great new articles, use cases, and latest innovations from the serverless community, make sure you subscribe to the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to chatting with all of you again next week. Mm-hmm.